With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Islanders Anxiety, the podcast from Lighthouse Hockey. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me tonight via Skype is my friend Michael Leboff. And uh, Mike, uh, you remember last week when we said uh, we were afraid of these two games on the West Coast? <laughs> well, it looks like we were kind of wrong. Yeah, we definitely were wrong. And uh, shout out to our, our, our listeners uh, and Kurt Schilling, who I'm sure is tuning in after uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yesterday. Yes. Uh, that that was about the strangest thing I've I've seen ever. So Kurt Schilling looking I, I, to Andrew Gross to uh, for tips on who was going to be in the lineup. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, uh, he. I think I obviously a lot of people would go in the same way I was. I was like, all right, so he's maybe he's playing DFS or <laughs> or like bet betting the game. And then uh, Kevin Schultz on Twitter is like, I'm concerned that it's not either of those things, <laughs> which. Right. If Kurt, if Kurt Schilling's on the Islanders bandwagon, it's getting a little too robust. We might have to start. We might have to start checking IDs because, yeah. uh, you know, he he he's a he's a, a, f- a real freak. Yeah, uh, that's a video game mogul, Kurt Schilling, to you. Although not in the eyes of the state of <laughs> Rhode Island. That's a. I'm going to talk about it. But actually, you know what? I was going to get to this later, but now you brought up baseball players, and I, I don't want to forget. But if uh, if you haven't, if anybody out there hasn't read the athletic article about Mike Piazza. Uh, and his wife buying the Italian soccer team 
and bankrupting it within two years, a hundred-year-old soccer team and bankrupting it within two years, please make sure you do that. If you need to get the week-long or whatever free trial to read it, you got to read it because it is it is unbelievable. <laughs> it is amazing and uh, not in a good way for the Piazzas, I got to say. They, they come off pretty <laughs> terribly in that story, but they ran it, so I guess they must be cool with it, but boy, what – I started reading at my lunch break, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. <laughs> just couldn't stop for the next, like, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. So it was crazy. Definitely check it out. Um, but uh, we got a lot of Islander stuff to talk about that doesn't involve Kurt Schilling, thankfully. Um, we, uh, <laughs> we we were worried about this trip out to the West Coast. I said that, you know, beating the Red Wings at home on, on last Saturday was important because this is a this is going to be a tough stretch for them going through Colorado, uh, the ne- Arizona the next day, and then um, – uh, Vegas and then Dallas all within a week or so. And so far, so good. They not only beat the Red Wings at home, uh, but then they beat they won in Colorado and won in Glendale last night. I know you're a fan of staying up late. This must have been fun for you to watch some, I guess, mountain time hockey, not West Coast uh, hockey. but Yeah, I, w- I, know, I know this is a very unpopular opinion, but I wish every Islander game was at, started at 9 o'clock. <laughs> it's just a great way to go to bed right. watching uh, – you know, especially when they when they win comprehensively like they have the past yeah. two days, where you, you just feel very good. You know, your head hits the pillow. Mm. You're thinking about Val, Val Philpola not making any mistakes again. <laughs> like it's just really nice. Uh, thinking about Lucas Beeson not being noticed on the ice at all. Uh, but let's let's <laughs> not get ahead of ourselves. So let's uh, let's start with last Saturday at Nassau Coliseum, a rematch against the Red Wings. Um, the final score was four three Islanders in a shootout, but that is not nearly what. The game was the Islanders outshot Detroit 48 to 21, 21 to four in the third period. I haven't seen a dominating game like this from the Islanders ever. Uh, It was almost comical. Uh, The Red Wings, no offense to them, but they were like an AHL team out there. They could not keep the puck for more than a minute. I've seen plenty of other uh, games the other way where the Islanders can't keep the puck for one minute. But this was I haven't seen one in a long time where the Islanders were that dominant. Um, They were just um, awesome. I mean, they came out flying, and they had the Red Wings, who had played the night before at home, uh, dead to rights the entire game. Thomas Grice let in a couple of goals that, frankly, he would like to have back. Uh, I They praised him afterwards for whole, keeping the minute, but I don't know. I thought he looked pretty terrible all game long. He was kind of sliding all over the place, and at one point uh, they gave up a, a goal to tie it um, to Thomas Vanek, and uh, Grice had slid out to the parking lot. I guess that I know that there are defensemen there to pick up guy like Vanek sliding behind him but dude don't don't slide that far out I don't know what to tell you um but uh this we could probably con- convincingly call the Matt Barzell game because he scored on their on the power play they had six power plays in a row in the uh in the second period Matt Barzell scored which is their first power play goal in like a month and a half uh he had an assist too on Anthony Povillier's goal and then he scored the only goal in the shootout to win it so that was pretty wild were, were you there Did, was that another one that you attended uh, or uh, you know? yeah, I took a I took that one off. I watched uh, a little bit with my old man, and then uh, caught a little on the radio driving back to my apartment, and then watched the end. And it was just yeah, like you said, dominant. It was so. It, uh, this is gonna sound weird. It's not true, but it was one of those. It, it was almost one of those games. Mm-hmm. And the Islanders never have one of those games where it's you know one of those where it's not your night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is it's kind of refreshing, like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, man, I can't wait to be really mad that the Islanders didn't win, you know, after dominating. You know, it felt good about that performance no matter what. But, uh, yeah, then the, the it was it was also really a strange way. The Islanders scored some strange goals. The, the strangest one was I've never seen before where Dylan Larkin pointed because he thought it hit the netting. 
they never showed a view where it did or didn't look like it did, I don't think. Um, and I, I, I kind of chalked that goal up to the Coliseum, whether or not that's true. I'm <laughs> like, who knows? <laughs> yeah, like a weird, weird bounce. And I've never seen the refs not blow a whistle when all you need to do to get a whistle as a player is point up. Mm. Like, like that, oh, it hit the netting, it hit the netting. And I've never seen a ref not blow play dead, no matter if it hit the netting or not. Um, and he skated out, and the Islanders ended up scoring on that play. I think that was the Suzekas goal. Uh, who, Casey Suzekas has never not scored at Nassau Coliseum, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, that was, but yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I just say, like, it was it, the Islanders dominated that game. They deserved two points. They didn't deserve for it to go to a shootout, but it was, it was, there was still a little bit of luck involved, which, uh, which I thought was funny. I think, and I know people say like, you know, Dylan Larkin should play to the whistle. I mean, but if you're, like I said, I've never seen refs not blow the whistle when someone points up to the netting. So uh, that was a goal for the Coliseum. Uh, so <laughs> Yeah, I saw some Red Wings complaining about the amount of penalties called on them and for the Islanders. And, you know, A, if you think that the refs have any kind of bias towards the New York Islanders, I hate to break it to you, but they don't. I can promise you that. But uh, also the Red Wings are just kind of a step behind. There was lots of hooking and holding, and I, I didn't think any one of those penalties wasn't legit. I mean, that looks like the kind of game that probably should be called more often, to be honest with you, because there's like almost hooking and holding on every single play. Uh, it just gets called sometimes, uh, and then it doesn't. But uh, yeah, no, the the result was right, if if not, you know, almost kind of slipped away from them. But they kept on going, and and it was really a cool thing to see. Um, and then. Uh, they go into two nights later, they're in Colorado, which is the home of one of the hottest teams in the league and arguably the best line in the entire league. Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, uh, Gabriel Landeskog. And uh, this was the exact game that we were talking about. Like, oh, my God, how are the Islanders even going to slow these guys down? Well, not only did they slow them down, but, man, I'll tell you, they played a hell of a game. I was very impressed. They ended up winning 4-1. Uh, you already called this the Boychuk game. On Twitter, and I think you're 100% right. This was Johnny Boychuk also scored a power play goal uh, from the OV spot, uh, so to speak. He, had, he was laying out and blocking shots, and uh, he had a great game. They held that high scoring line to just one power play goal. Uh, Nathan McKinnon was very quiet. I didn't think he did much at all in that game, and Rantanen was kind of everywhere, but he didn't end up scoring. Uh, and they, um, they held the Avalanche only eight shots on goal in the third, uh, which I thought was amazing. Um, and they lost Thomas Hickey, who we'll talk about again in a minute, uh, to an injury. And then Brock Nelson, too, in the third period. But Nelson came back for the next game. Uh, I was incredibly impressed by that win. I thought that was one of the better games they played in a long, long time. And you can see, you know, at the risk of sounding like a cliche, you could see the buy-in to the Coach Barry Trotz system now. Like, they, that, was a mo- that was a game in which there weren't a whole lot of, like, hitches in the system. They kind of pulled it off the way I think they were supposed to. And it was really cool. I was It was fun to see. I got to be honest. I was not expecting that. But I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, it's uh, – that was the, the just the Boychuk game. I was not, I was being serious. Like you felt his presence every time you were on the ice. It, um, and a player of his skill set, that is extremely rare, I would I would say. <laughs> yeah. Like like usually, usually it's – like you said, it's like he's blanketing Ovechkin or – or something like, yeah, he had a great game doing that. But he was everywhere doing everything. On uh, Every time he was on the ice, he's made something happen on either end. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, Johnny Boychuk has been really good this year, mm. <laughs> especially the past like two months. And uh, the other part of that game came down to, yeah, game planning. Uh, the, the Avalanche are a uh, – it's not fair to call them a one-trick pony. There's some decent other parts. They have good goaltending. Uh, but Jack Capuano and Doug Waite, like if you threw that line – at the Islanders with them, 
uh, behind the bench. I, I, like they probably have their way with the Islanders. Whereas Barry Trotz had a game plan and it worked. And it's like it X's and O's matter. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to, to be a guy who can motivate and, ha- and have players like you and stuff. But Barry Trotz's game plan for that game, I think, was perfect. They, if you are shutting that line down. Sure, it's the players doing the job, but it's the coaches preparing them and saying, look, if these guys don't beat us, the odds are in our favor. Like, we should beat this team if, if we shut down that first line. So let's make a, I, like, let's make a plan to stop them. And, they, and it worked. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, Boychuk and Trotz deserved a big hug after that game from, from all of us. Uh, and it, it, was, it was like the perfect game for Boychuk, too, in that sense, because like, he's not quick. He's, he's, his skill set is, is very I don't want to say diminished, but it's just very uh, lumbering. I don't know <laughs> it's, the best way to put it's, it. It's old school. Let's call him old school. <laughs> yeah, old school. Yeah, let's call it old school. Right. Uh, and uh, that is was a old school kind of victory uh, where sure. the Islanders just had a game plan and and didn't do anything stupid, and it worked. Yeah. Um, what you what you mentioned just now about sort of the the previous coaches not maybe playing to the competition and maybe not having the right game plan in place uh, reminded me of this quote from after that game, after that Colorado game, uh, this was sort of a Andrew Gross's preview of the next game, the Coyotes game, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, Trotz basically uh, said, we're, we're managing the game a little bit better. We're not just playing the same way, no matter what the score is. You don't want to be a high event team when you've got the lead. You want to make sure the events are happening in a predictable order for you. And, you know, I, that's a little bit different than, you know, game planning for these, you know, this big line or something like that. But but what he's talking about is something that we've never really seen before. Like, you know, the idea of managing the game and, and working to, to have the outcomes work in your favor. And that's what we call talk about structure and, and kind of, you know, the way the Islanders play in, in such a way that they kind of funnel the puck carrier in one direction to kind of get, you know, stifled and then have the puck taken from him. And then they go back the other way. And that's kind of the way they play nowadays and and that game again was was the perfect example you know dom called it kind of boring in a trotzian way but uh i I, if they're gonna win games like that i'll take it like if that's boring (laughs) to me i I thought it was totally awesome the way they kind of controlled the game from top to bottom and you know the avalanche writers and stuff weren't particularly happy with it but uh uh, their coach was like hey they played a good game and and that's the way it was so uh it was pretty cool to see uh and then the next night they played in Phoenix against, or excuse me, in Glendale uh, against a Coyotes team that is slightly less talent laden than the Avalanche. They don't even have one big line. They got a bunch of guys you might have heard of, probably a bunch of guys who used to play for the the Blackhawks. And uh, you thought, oh boy, it's road. It's they're on the road. It's back to back. But uh, boy, they put on another impressive performance. Uh, they won that game three to one. Uh, the first period was sort of even. They gave up a bad girl. Uh, Robin Leonard gave up a bad goal pretty early, uh, but uh, Anthony Bovillier tied it before the end of the first season. But the Islanders were dominant in the second period. They were absolutely dominant, and the the Coyotes barely touched the puck. And who scores the goal to put the Islanders up? One Joshua Hosang, who had been called up from Bridgeport, didn't play the game in either the uh, – he didn't play in the, uh, the uh, Nassau Coliseum game, played against the Avalanche, and he looked good. And he played against the Coyotes, and boy, he he might have been kind of like a player of the game type. He 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 played smart. He scored this impossible angle goal. He had a great celebration. <laughs> if you go go to our friend Kevin Schultz's Twitter account, and you'll see a great picture of him with uh, guys from uh, 
Islanders jerseys of all eras uh, in front of him too. Again, on a road in a road game. But uh, Hosang was great, and he's been great the last two games. He's been smart. He's not taking uh, shifts that are too long. He's keeping the puck. I noticed at one point last night uh, against the Coyotes, he was, you know, he worked hard to just keep the puck in the zone, and then at one point just sort of dumped it down towards the goal line and made it and got off for a change and let the other next guy take over. And I just don't know if that's the kind of thing that he would have done last year. That's the kind of smart play that the guys, the coaches want him to do. And it doesn't mean that he can't be Josh Hosang. It just means he's got to be a little bit smarter with the puck. Uh, Trotz said that he wanted him to work on his board play and he's gotten better at it. And I'll tell you, he, he was great. I, he really was very noticeable Had a great game all time, all night. Uh, they were a little bit sloppy in the third, but uh, they had a three, one lead at that point. And I mean, again, it was a back to back. So you kind of chalk it up to maybe a little bit of travel weariness, but they, they kept the coyotes off the score sheet and that's what matters. And right now they're on a three game winning streak and have won two of the four games at a, on this road trip. And I mean, that's awesome. I mean, and, and to have Josh Hosang contributing and playing is even more awesome. So there you go. I mean, it's, it's everything's firing on all cylinders right now when you really think about it. Yeah. My, uh, my stomach was, was in my, my mouth a little bit when he did something I've never seen before in the avalanche game where he took two, like stick and oh, holding yeah. infractions. Uh, <laughs> how many? How how often do you like you'll hear like during a a game you'll say you'll see a player like wow that guy actually could get called twice for a penalty but it never happens like you get you get one penalty and that's it right. I've I've never seen that yeah. before and I don't think either penalty were really was really the second uh, one was really bullshit I didn't even I still haven't even seen the first one to be honest with you but the second one yeah, I was like I, th- I, I don't know what <laughs> I I want I was like. I was like, is this ref trying to get him scratched yeah. in the next game? Is that all it is? Like, is this like a like he knows like Josh Hosang's reputation and wants doesn't want this? I I, I I'm not gonna say you know go conspiracy theorist on it, but like what that what yeah. I've never ever seen that. Before. I think Arthur and, Staples said that wouldn't have happened to literally anybody else in the league. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't disagree with him. Uh, I don't I I really I'm, like Tom Wilson can go do whatever the hell he wants and and uh, Josh and he's he's been. You know, doing it for years, doing some horrible stuff for years on the ice, and Josh Hosang does whatever. But uh, yeah, I was worried. Hopefully, I think you know Barry Trotz obviously and his coaching staff would see afterwards and be like, "Wow, that was, you know, definitely not fair, not right that that got called." So uh, I trust them to do stuff like that. Uh, and then yeah, that uh, that shift you're talking about where he kind of ragged the puck through the neutral zone and ch- dumped and change. I it was being a little tongue in cheek. I was like, "Damn, that was electric dump and change from from Hosang. But I, after he scored, I texted my brother. I was like, they're going to talk about that dump and change more than they will about his goal. And that's that's kind of what happened. They're like, you know, that, that one play was like brought, brought up like six times by Brendan and Butchie. Uh, I feel like it was brought up more than the goal. And then, yeah, the goal the goal was just great. It's that it was, you know, being in the right place at the right time and still having the skill set and the talent. Uh, and like the nose for goal to be able to be able to pull that off is insane. And you just saw like the celebration was awesome. We all were, we were every Islander fan was doing it with them. Mm. Uh, the, uh, yeah. Like, welcome to the party, Josh. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, no, it was, it was really cool to see. And again, he, he's been really good and, and he's done exactly what the coaches wanted him to do. He wasn't overstaying his shifts. He was being smart with the puck. And, you know, I know that we've gotten on Philpola and Komarov for not being, the best players, although Philpola at the point is kind of funny that he's, you know, produced as much as he has. But uh, I think, you know, that line almost kind of works in spite of itself. Like those guys are are, are veteran guys that are going to make sure that 
I think Josh does that. But I think at this point, he gets it. And I think in talking to Trotz, he gets it. And I think Trotz's you know, structure and the philosophies have filtered down to, to Brent Thompson. And that team is also flying on all cylinders right now. And I think they get it. And I think they the, the communication, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this from <laughs> 50 miles away in my home, but I, I think the communication is better and they know what they want to do. And I mean, Trotz has said he's been effusive uh, for hosting this whole time. And he went from saying like, well, I don't feel any pressure to play the guy. He's here as an injury replacement, and if he plays, he plays. To being like, if he plays more like that, he's going to have a very long career, and we're not and we're not going to be able to send him back because he's going to stay right here because we're going to need him. I mean, that's that's as high praise as you can get. Like basically saying, you keep playing like that, we can't take you out of lineup. I mean, that's that's what you want the coach to say, and uh, and so it's happening. You know, the gif of the old man, it's all happening. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but there's another element to this now, and as I mentioned before. Thomas Hickey got hurt. Uh, he took an awkward spill into the boards in Denver. They're calling it an upper body injury. Could be a concussion. I don't know. He looked kind of dazed uh, when he got up. And he was placed on injured reserve today. And look who's here. Devon Taves finally uh, unleashed from uh, from Bridgeport is going to join the team in Las Vegas. He's probably not going to play against the Golden Knights. Let's just say it right up front. Yeah, he's gonna. It's a long way from Bridgeport to Vegas. He's going to get off the plane. They're going to have the game that night. I highly doubt he's going to play before, you know, talking to the guys and the coaches and everything. Uh, and also Lucas. Plus, Pisa. it's the yeah, it's Lucas Pisa revenge <laughs> yeah, game. So look for two goals from Lucas Pisa, uh, who, again, I want to mention before, played totally fine in the game in Phoenix, in England. I keep saying that. Game in Glendale. I didn't notice him once, which is probably the best thing you could probably say, say about him. I thought he was totally fine. Um, so, but the Islanders have a game on Sunday in Dallas. And if Taves is going to get into a game, uh, I would probably think that that would be the one. It really sucks that Hickey is hurt because I think that he's a guy that we've talked. We love Thomas Hickey, and he's a guy who doesn't maybe get the appreciation that he should. Um, and hopefully it, he'll be okay. But you can't help but be excited to, for the chance to see what Taves can do. I mean, this guy's an AHL All Star. He's piled up more points in the AHL than you could possibly count. And Arthur Staples said he should have been with this team the entire season so far. So. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm excited again at the expense, sadly, of Thomas Hickey. I'm excited to see what can happen here, and you know, maybe maybe they find another guy who just sits fits into the lineup and contributes exactly what they need, and they just keep things rolling. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, he is definitely he's been ready, and this is also kind of like Jose saying, Barry Trotz and Lou Lamarillo, can't they've been through these kind of things before? So like like with Jose saying. There was basically the only thing that like hurt could have hurt the Islanders with Hosang being down in the minors for as long as he was was that the Islanders' results weren't there and they were getting results without him so it, there was really no no like no harm no foul and he will benefit from that time you know it's as old school as it sounds like he got you know lessons drilled into him and and we never there was obviously a completely different story with Taves he just was a, a numbers crunch but the same thing like he he's I'm sure Lou and Barry were like, you know, what what's the worst that could happen with Devon Taves being down in the minor the minors for, you know, two more months learning this system, learning how to play, you know, the style of hockey that I that Trotz implemented. Uh, there's the Islanders have succeeded without him and he's only going to make them better. And he's going to know exactly what he's supposed to do after having, you know, 30 games in the minors playing the style of hockey. So um, that's what I'm most excited about. I, I'm, I'm so I think. 
Trots and and Islander fans, everyone is going to be super confident in this kid uh, to play any any uh, any role. I think he'll play a lot too. It seems like he seems like that kind of player, and uh, I think it it only makes things better. It, it gives the Islanders one of those cliche like good problems to have now <laughs> with uh, if if he, if he succeeds, you know, and Hickey comes back. So sure, yeah, no, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, and this is the this is the kind of thing that. You know, a veteran team and and a team that's run with guys who, like you said, have been around the block before, will do. And and you know, and that's another thing too. And I I, I don't want to I don't want to get too crazy because it has just been two games. And you know, Josh is a young guy, and I'm sure he'll have a he'll have a hiccup or a stumble at some point. Um, but this is the kind of thing that's always got me about like good teams. Like you know, we always talk about. How, you know, when the Red Wings are in their heyday or even the Lightning. that The Lightning are almost an extreme case because they call up a guy from Syracuse every week and he just turns into a goddamn all-star. Like, it's just crazy. Like, it's, I don't understand how where they get these guys from. Every t- every guy they call up from Syracuse is the most electric, unbelievable five foot eight inch player in the entire league. It's crazy. They, they, have, they have a farm <laughs> of these guys. But, you know, but seriously, like, that's the thing. Like the Or, or the Penguins calling up guys from Wilkes-Barre that immediately become, you know, Conn Smythe Trophy candidates because they just – they fit the system and they give the team what they want and it makes them difficult to take them out of the lineup because they they keep on winning and and you know again I don't want to overstate things it's been two games for for Hosang it's been zero games for Tabes but that's the kind of thing you want to get into when the philosophy has permeated the entire organization and everybody knows what what needs to be done and everybody's pulling in the same direction and you can pull up these guys from from Bridgeport and it and it fits we saw it once uh, I mean, I, we talked about the Travis Hamanick, the legend of Travis Hamanick when he came up from Bridgeport that year and just immediately became one of the team's top four defensemen. And he just never went back. You know, that that's the kind of thing that can happen. But, you know, for a team like the Islanders, that happens yep. once in a blue moon. And for other teams, it happens all the time. Yeah. And uh, I think the Lightning are, are actually, you know, they are the extreme. But it's a good example. Like, we, you know, Islander fans, have we've suffered a long time. And that's where we want to be. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a part of it. <laughs> Well, part of being good is is having this organizational depth and guys that you want to see that you're just going to have to be patient for right. and you're just going to have to tr- quote unquote trust yeah. the process and uh yeah I think I think it'll pay off in the long sure. run big big time uh, another goal for Michael Del Cole tonight by the way at least one more I don't know if he's got another one after that <laughs> yeah another like another like another player sure I would would I rather see Leo Komarov not play and Michael Del Cole play in his place of course I would and I think everybody would but it's just at this point, like I'm putting all my eggs in Barry Trotz's basket <laughs> and saying, like, you know, when when at that time comes that like when and when Dal Cole is is quote unquote, is like good good and ready to to play that kind of hockey and be depended on, you know, good for us and and it's another uh, thing. And I also think the Dal Cole thing is a little interesting. I think uh, his the shine on him is is was gone and it's back and he is definitely going to be an interesting piece. If the Islanders are are still hovering in a playoff spot at the deadline, and it's almost like you know, do we want to call him up and maybe he like doesn't put up numbers in the NHL and and he loses a little bit of the luster he's got back as a prospect? It's definitely thinking too far ahead, but you know, if he's if he's just scoring bushels of goals in the NHL and a team like the Canucks or someone comes knocking and says like we we have room for this guy and it, it makes sense, like you know, that's that's a, a position of power for the Islanders to be in uh, come trade deadline time. Yeah, I mean, it, it is far away. And, but I think it would depend on who's coming the other way. I don't think it would be for like a UFA or somebody like that. But if it's somebody with term and, and who fits the, the yeah. team, you know. Um, yeah, he's just a good piece. He's sure. a, he's like at this, like at the, at the worst, like sure, he, he might 
still find a way to contribute. But right right now, like he's a good piece to have in the in the organization. He's a fifth overall pick, and he's now yeah. starting to uh, kind of go along that track. Sure. So. And, and like you said, I mean, he was compared to where he was this time last year, which was basically nowhere. Uh, that's that's quite a turnaround to make himself into a piece like that. So that's pretty good. Um, so just a quick look at the standings right now. Um, the Penguins and Capitals are playing right now, and the Penguins are two points behind the Islanders uh, in the division, and the Caps are five points ahead in first place. So right now it's Caps with 43 points, Columbus with 39, the Islanders with 38, uh, and then the Penguins with 36, and then the Rangers with 35. So, I, you know, if the season ended today, the Islanders would be facing the Columbus Blue Jackets in the playoffs, and that's something I don't know if anybody expected at this point. Um, so tonight, for tonight, go Caps. You know, the Islanders can use a, uh, a couple of, you know, a free day like there where the Penguins aren't breathing down their neck. But that's a that's pretty remarkable. And as of right now, too, also remarkable, perhaps even more remarkable than their their position in the standings is the fact that they've given up the second least amount of goals in the Eastern Conference. They've given up 93 goals and the Bruins have given up 88 and that's it. Everybody else is is over the 100. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, the Leafs have given up 95 and the uh, Lightning 99. Um, but that's an amazing turnaround. Like, I mean, they had given up 20 more goals at this point, I think Arthur Stable had last year than, than this year. And 20 goals means a lot. <laughs> you know, they had Yeah, and the Islanders weren't weren't really bad yet no. at this point last year either. Yeah. Like the wheels hadn't come no, off. The the injuries had started to happen and yeah, the, they would finally the whole thing would finally fall apart really in January. But yeah, the record was almost the same, but the goals against was a completely different story. And we all knew it was going to catch up to them and it did in a big way. And uh this year it's not so much. And I mean, all that credit goes to Trotz and Lane Lambert and Mitch Korn and Piero Greco and these guys and Lou Lamorello for that matter and these guys that have just come in and been like no we're not doing that anymore and this is how we're going to play now and credit to the players too for buying in Brock Nelson looks like a totally different person I mean he got took that knee to the yeah. thigh uh, he left the game he came back and he played a heck of a game in in Phoenix like he had a, he had a goal from the slot which was beautiful you know that kind of shot and he looks like a totally different player under Barry Trotz it's crazy it's crazy it's he used to be the type of player that. Um, when even on his good shift where a shift where he would score, he basically like popped up at the end, the puck ended up on his stick and he's got a great shot and he would score. Now I'm like gravitating towards him. Like, wow, that, you know, another, he didn't do anything and score. He didn't get an assist or do anything memorable, but he just had a good shift. And like, I, he's was never, I guess maybe in, in his first full year, he was kind of that type of player uh, or was like, he looked like he was about to become one. So uh, this is by far his best season Probably yeah, as a pro. He, like I, think. he's never been sort of um, known for bringing a lot of energy, like whether it's on the ice or off the ice. And <laughs> Brock seems like a, a pretty laid back guy. He's got like the sleepy eyes. He's just a big, tall dude. <laughs> he's like you know really laid back. Um, and even like you said, even on his good shifts, you know, it wasn't that he was out there like you know creating havoc. He was usually sort of like Johnny on the spot, like he was in the right place at the right time, or you know maybe on a two on one or something like that. But now he's out there and he's making stuff happen. Like he's out there with Everly and Lee and they're making stuff happen every time they're on the ice. And Everly's kind of come around. He had a goal uh, in Colorado, which was nice to see. And then obviously Lee is doing his thing as usual. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, he's he's just found a way to play that works for him, works for the team. Of course, it happens when he's a UFA. So that's going to be another interesting wrinkle. But nobody's talking about that right now. Nobody's, nobody's mentioning it. You know, I mean, the guy's got, what is 11 or 12 goals and, so does Lee and so does Everly or no Everly's got, I think eight goals, but uh, 
you know, they're just they're just doing their thing and they're playing really well. And we'll leave that stuff for later and see. Or maybe I guess the trade deadline we'll talk about it. But it's just it's amazing, like what it's what it's come down to and and how these guys have all bought in. And it took a little while. And again, there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be bumps and there's going to be some freewheeling out there. But you know, Matt Barzell said it took him a while to kind of come around to it. And now that he's done. He's done that. He looks like Matt Barzell again, and good for him. Him and Beauvillier are up to their old tricks, and you know that's what the Islanders need. They're going to need those guys going forward. That's their top two lines. They're going to need them going ahead. Going yeah, forward. yeah. It's uh, it's funny. Last episode we talked about we were, we were worried, as Mike Francesa would say, and uh, we because uh, yeah, they had what they lost like three or four or something, something like that, and um. Yes, they've been playing so well. I completely forgot about they, it. They had uh, blown that lead to Vegas. They had like a two goal lead to Vegas. In right. Blue, yeah. And uh, and we were saying, you know, this is kind of the a little bit maybe the first gut check of the season where we'll see if Trotz is different from the past couple. Well, I mean, we knew he was different, but can he avoid, you know, the typical Islanders snowball month long drought? And they responded in the best possible way by winning every point that was uh, they got the maximum amount of points since we've talked yeah so yeah uh yeah i'm not worried anymore no. uh not that i want them to but you know even if they were to drop the next two in vegas and dallas you know, that's a 500 road trip like that's pretty much what regular teams do <laughs> you know they go on the road they win they win half of their games and, and that's a that's pretty good i mean again i would prefer that they win those games but you know it's hard to complain about that um yeah the vegas game is going to be interesting because again they did they did uh, uh, lose, throw away that uh, that lead. They didn't play particularly well in that game, but uh, they right is that the one where they, they didn't they played poorly, but ended up getting staked to like a lead, and then they just blew it. Um, yeah, think. they were they were down one nothing quick, and then went up two one and lost, and then they got they got pretty well well man, manhandled by the stars at Barclays Center. Right. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, that right that that was that was a stinker. That was one of the the very few like real stinkers they had this year. And then actually one of those ones we talked to, you were talking about before was they lost six, two to the penguins uh, that previous week, which is another stinker. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's going to, those, these next two games are going to be pretty interesting. I, I think I might be wrong, but I think I read somewhere that Dallas might be getting John Klingberg back soon, which is obviously enormous for them. Ben Bishop is right now. He's picking up shutouts out left and right. So that's going to be a tough game. Uh, the golden Knights have put Matt Patrick on IR so that's one less guy to have to worry about, but you know they're still they're they're really really good at home. So these next two games are going to be tough. I mean, but we thought the the Colorado game was going to be tough too, and the Islanders played really well there, and you know, they had a day off here, so hopefully they can get uh, in Vegas and win, and then they got two days off, and then they play the Stars, and then they have four days off uh, before a game against the Ottawa Senators at Barclays Center. Uh, I'm going to skip that game <laughs> right now. The Senators, their focus right now is off the ice. They're their arena plan has apparently been blown up. It's a whole thing. Read it. It's crazy. Um, but the next night, uh, on Saturday the 29th, uh, after the Islanders play in Brooklyn on the 28th, then on the 29th, they have a game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the reason we're talking about this now is because we're going. Mike and I are going to take next week off. So programming note: <laughs> there won't be a show next week. We'll come back the week after. Um, but this is an important game for obvious reasons that we should we should discuss. Uh, in detail, the Leafs obviously are one of the better teams in the league. The Islanders are, you know, reformulating the entire franchise after a summer of uh, of uncertainty and, and change. And uh, it's Saturday night. It's hockey night in Canada. It's in Toronto. You know, prime time, 7 o'clock. Uh, that one's going to be 
It's going to be something. <laughs> it's going to be something. And I'll be honest with you, I'm probably not going to watch that game. I think I'm going to find something else to do, and I'll explain why. But I think we both have our soapboxes ready for this one. So I'm going to let you start because, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> I, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to try to watch the Hockey Night in Canada stream too because I just – I want to hear it. I want – it's it's so far in the past now. Like, And, and, I, and I'm not saying like it doesn't still – I'm still not pissed off. I'm so pissed off about it still. Like I hate I, – I talk about it at least once a day to people at work or whatever. But I talk about it. But um, I'm – it's it's just like – it's not uh, – the Islanders would be better with this player. But the grass is sort of greener right now. Like I love this team. I love the coach and whatever. I think Lou Lamarillo made some crazy maneuvers in the offseason that, you know, whatever. But I love everything about the Islanders right now. And I'm kind of confident in what they could do. And I want to hear the the Hockey Night in Canada guys just gloss over the success they've had and, not, <laughs> and continue to not pay attention to, to the actual results and just talk about John Tavares at his – Fucking Casper ads where he's like sleeping on a bed. I've heard about these and I'm glad I've missed them all. Basically. Oh my god! They no, you should watch it. Honestly, (laughs) it it makes me feel better watching because I'm like this. You this guy has nothing. You know he's got he doesn't get he just you can just tell like he doesn't get it. He does not get it one bit. And those commercials are just more proof that he doesn't get it. (laughs) Uh, and and it makes me happy. Like you know, I'm like all right, like. We were, we were we're right about you. We were right about you. Like you, we we were wrong. We were very wrong about you. And then we were right about you. And we still are right about you. You you are not the person that anybody like thought you were, and not the type of type guy that I want playing for the Islanders at this point. And uh, yeah, he can go kick rocks. And I hope you know, like here's the disclaimer that like we don't root for injuries. But I would love Matt Martin to lay a licking on him. I mean, Matt Martin was a was dogged by the Leafs and Leafs fans. Leo Komarov was too. Like I would love one of those guys to pull like what Brendan Witt did to Evgeny Malkin that one game where he just like put the cleanest hit on him. I don't I don't remember when it was. It was sometime in the mid aughts. But he <laughs> st- I will never forget this hit. Mal- and and Witt was Witt had a thing for Malkin and I and he just stepped up on him in the neutral zone and and you know probably bruised him up a bit. And that's that I would love to see you know someone really go out of their way to, way to to make sure that John Tavares feels, uh, you know, gets crunched at least once and uh, just get into that crowd's head a little bit. And I, and I think the Islanders actually do match up well against them, which we, we can talk about after, uh, after you, uh, <laughs> you go on. Well, I, I'm glad, I'm glad you said all that because it, a lot of it ties into what I'm going to say. We, we do no planning by the way on this show, folks. So when, when you see things like this dovetail, it just, it just shows you, that Mike and I were meant to do this because these things come up naturally and we, they just work out this way. Um, I was thinking the exact same thing as you were only in my mind, it was Scott Mayfield, who is a guy who Tavares obviously played with and he knows, but maybe not too well. (laughs) And so like of all the people to like lay a really clean shoulder to chest check on somebody and like knock them for a loop. I figured to me it would be Scott Mayfield or it would be Cal Clutterbuck. One, one or the other, I think would, would probably do it. Uh, and I could see both of those things happening. Um, I could I could picture Mayfield doing it. Mayfield Mayfield's a fucking rock star. He, he, Good for he, him, man. I like that. Yeah, guy. he is. And um, 
and I could see him being almost like apologetic about it, but like doing like not even realizing who it was. Um, but I think that to me, that's what ha- the exact same thing that you just mentioned has also been going on in my head. And that was just it was to me it was Mayfield. To you, it was Martin. Uh, I would like to see Matt Martin score a hat trick. There you go, the, the old Mick Vakota, uh hat trick. But well, I don't think either of those things are going to happen. But, <laughs> but we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I just want to hear the crowd's reaction right. to that hit, like you know, and and. There were times when he was on the Islanders where after you would get hit, like he would kind of do that look back to the ref yeah. and he'd wipe his visor and slowly get back to the bench. That's what I want to see. I want to see that happen after that hit. I want to see him, you know, really feeling that kind of slowly going back. And then I want to see one of the Leafs, you know, come if, if it's Mayfield, like, you know, come try to fight him and stuff. And that's, you know, I, I would love to see that. And then I would love to see Darcy Tucker in the crowd and someone punch him in the face. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Uh, that that would be just pretty cool. to head to Darcy yeah. and, and maybe Cairns will get him like maybe he's in the skybox or something or, or he spills beer on himself that'd be pretty cool too um <laughs> it's funny though that you mentioned watching the um the hockey night in Canada feed because that's exactly what I, I wouldn't do <laughs> again I uh, people out there are much stronger than I am I, I I applaud you I can't do this if you're going to that game by the way if you're an Islanders fan and you're going to that game you know in person you have tickets to it then I'm not a religious man but I hope that whatever God you pray to is by your side that evening. I really do. I hope you have a good time. I hope it's fun. I hope the Islanders win. But I could not do that. I can't even watch a game on TV. I, I got I got four other Harry Potter movies to watch with my wife and daughter before we finish the whole series. I'm kind of hoping like, hey, let's watch two of them tonight so I don't have to even look at this thing until tomorrow morning. Um, but it's funny because like in my mind, my, my twisted, very strange mind, I, I'm afraid that What's going to happen is or what's what's been happening and what's going to happen for the rest of our lives is a certain degree of gaslighting about this topic. If you've never heard what gaslighting is, it's basically convincing somebody that something that did happen didn't happen or is happening isn't happening right now. And I feel like there's a lot of gaslighting going on with the whole John Tavares thing. You and I both know how the whole thing went down. Obviously, we talked a lot about it. Anybody listening to this podcast knows what went down. Anybody that reads Lighthouse Hockey knows what went down. Anybody that reads Arthur Staple knows what went down. And like from our from their perspective, from the Maple Leaf fan media perspective, this is a story about a guy who comes home to play in his hometown team for a team that has cup aspirations. And that's a wonderful story. From our perspective, the story is very, very different. This is a guy who told everybody who would listen for the better part of two years, that he wanted to win with the Islanders. <laughs> and that was his dream, was to stay at the Islanders and win with the Islanders. And then he went completely silent for a month and a half, uh, let the clock run out on his team while he signed a contract, and then just woke up one day and was another player's prop- another team's property. And, like, yep. that's what happened. And, like, I don't want people to forget that. Like you might forgive John Tavares. You may have already forgiven him and you might move on with your life, but like you can't forget the way the whole thing went down. And I love when people are yep. like, Oh, you should, why don't you be mad at, at management for, for not putting a good team around him and, and, you know, giving him the incentive to walk away and th- don't be mad at the player for walking away. Dude, I could be mad at both. It's very easy. Yeah. We have a whole, we have a whole podcast cause we're fucking mad at management. <laughs> I know, really? Like, I mean, what makes you think that we're not mad at management? I just don't understand. Like, of course we're mad at management, but I could also be mad at him for again, kind of, kind of going into radio science and going into hiding and signing a contract or at least coming to an agreement a couple of days ahead of the clock running out and then just leaving and without telling yeah. the team that you're leaving. Like, and, and then don't even get me started on the whole, like, 
don't trade me thing, whether he said it or one of his representatives said it or, you know, somebody made it clear that John didn't want to be traded, you know, that team wasn't going anywhere that year. Like, what could they have gotten for him? And I mean, we're talking about that now. So, I, you know, the the thing about the Leafs is that they, they're owned, they're co-owned by this huge media conglomerate. They've got this entire network, two entire networks that are focused upon everything they do. They also have the biggest fan base in the country, and they also have this sort of army, this ever-expanding blo- uh, uh, army of citizen bloggers that like to think they're very progressive, but really are just like the gatekeepers of the NHL's Cool Kid Club. And the Islanders are never going to be part of that Cool Kid Club. We talked about that a while back. And they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to focus on because they don't live with this team. They don't know. They don't live with the Islanders every single day of the year like you and I do or like the people listening to this podcast do. We all know what happened. Please don't forget what happened. And you could you could move on, but like that's the way it went down. And this isn't just like, yep. you know, hey, hey, I'm here. This is a great story. No, this is not a great story. <laughs> this is a, this is a great story for one half and another and a shitty story for another half. Yeah, and it's it's that's a perfect way to put it. It's please don't forget what happened because and that's a part of the other reason. Like, I'm sick too. I'm sick in my head. And the reason that's the reason I want to watch the broadcast. Like, there are all those uh, accounts that like will fact check politicians and stuff, and they'll say, "Oh, he said this, but really this happens." I just want to do that. I mean, you know, maybe I'll just take uh, quotes from the encyclopedia that you you painstakingly kept. Be like, when when Elliot Friedman says, you know, Tavares wanted to come home. It was all about playing in front of his family. I'd be like, oh no. Here's where he said that the Islanders meant everything to him, and he, all he cares about is us. Yeah. Like he doesn't think about that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, like that. That right now is like music to my ears. Hearing them say that stuff, in because if they want to believe that, go right the right. hell ahead. Man. <laughs> and then when the Islanders and when the Islanders do end up winning the Stanley Cup, I'm not saying it's this year. It might be the uh, and they they all start jumping on how resilient they are for for getting through this whole thing. I'm. I'm, I'm like just gonna be the the happiest. I'm gonna be happier than Pickett. This is gonna be it's gonna be the best. And I I cannot wait. I can't wait for those guys to start talking about Tavares is being courageous for for wanting to for doing something that's you know most athletes don't do. Going home and taking on the pressure of breaking a curse for their hometown team. Like the dude is a coward. He was he the only thing he is is a coward. He took the easy way out and the easy, sure it might not seem like the easy way out to the. 29 other teams but it was the easy way out he joined a team that is in great shape financially that will be in the nhl forever and he left a team that for most of my life and most of you know your better part of your life we wake up and we don't know if the islanders are going to be there in the morning he was the savior and he walked out and that is the the truth of the matter and and from whatever whatever side you're looking at it from it's gonna like if you're looking at it from the other side, you're not gonna you're not gonna think that. But the guy the guy is an absolute coward, and that's why I want the Islanders to make him pay in <laughs> ways that I don't like. I don't. I've never hated an athlete more than I hate <laughs> that guy right now. And, and he was my favorite person on the planet for so long. Yeah. When when Barry Trotz took this job, people asked him not not in this particular in, intonation, but you could tell that this was what they meant. Why on earth would you take this job? <laughs> you know, this is the New York Islanders. And his answer was he wanted the challenge. Like he had, they had, he had won the cup with the Washington Capitals. That was the challenge. He brought in to face that challenge and he won it. And this is, you know, he didn't expect maybe to be out of that job, but this is the challenge and he wants the challenge. And, um, there is a, a podcast called the NHL Executive Suite. I didn't know it existed until today. It's hosted by Deb Placey, who we know very well, and she interviewed Lou Lamorello today. You should check it out. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. Uh, Lou talks about his growing up in Providence and stuff. And 
basically he said the same thing. Like he wants the challenge. He wants the challenge of building the Islanders back to where they were, uh, or at least near to where they were. You know, he was sold on the vision of Scott Malkin and John Ledecky and their arena and all this. And they want that challenge. And, and yeah, I agree with you. Like, you know, it's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of pressure, obviously going back and playing for these. Now you got to do these, these mattress commercials and everybody's pulling you every which way, but yeah, I mean the challenge of uh, of making the Islanders into a Stanley Cup contender, he never he never completed that. <laughs> like you know, yeah, the yeah. challenge no, is he still walked there. Out. Yeah, he left basically. Yeah, he walked out. But when the Islanders when the Islanders win the Stanley Cup, he will have no bearing on. Yeah, it. and that is something he's going to have. Like, the, the, sure, the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup would be gigantic, but that's not because John Tavares is there. That's because the Leafs have been so bad for so long that they've had. Guys like they won the draft lottery. They got Austin Matthews. They got Mitch Marner. They got a great goalie. Like it's not John Tavares. If the Islanders had won the Stanley Cup with John Tavares, it would have been because they got John Tavares. And so now he has to sleep at night knowing that, hey, I walked out on that. Like I walked out on that opportunity to be the guy that saved that franchise. And now we have like six of them, and I (laughs) love them all. Um, In um. In, in one of those fawning pieces about Kyle Dubas and how they got, you know, he got Tavares to sign. They mentioned this video that he watched during that sort of, you know, free agency wooing period. And one of them was like, it showed like Tavares's number in the rafters of Air Canada Center. And after I read that, I wondered myself, did John Tavares really not think that the Islanders weren't going to retire his number? Like, did he seriously think that, well, I don't know if they're going to retire. Dude, I would have retired your number the minute you signed the contract. <laughs> you would have been yeah, the only player in the we league. We joked about building him a statue yeah. like before. He would have been the only player you know, in the league to have his number retired and still be wearing it at the same time. Like, that would have yep. guaranteed you a retired number. So that that whole aspect of that kind of didn't hold a lot of waters for me because that didn't make any sense. Like, why would he not think that he was already going to be an Islanders legend with the team he's been with for nine years? Like, this is crazy. Um, reading about that video made me yeah. sick to my stomach. <laughs> I don't like a, a, yeah. a couple of the players have seen it. Mitch Marner said like he was brought to tears. Like, oh, all right, Mitch, like yeah. you're 19 years old. I don't think you have any idea what's going on, brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, and, and, and by the way, we're offer sheeting you in three months. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, you know, the, I, not that I learned this while doing the encyclopedia, but it certainly drove the, the, uh, the concept home that nobody cares about this team, but us. I mean, like you and me, obviously, and again, everybody listening to this podcast, everybody that reads Lighthouse Hockey, everybody that downloads other uh, podcasts and reads other blogs out there, um, Arthur Staple and Andrew Gross. And when I say cares, I don't mean that they necessarily care about the the outcome. I don't think that they're necessarily rooting for the Islanders to win because they're pros and they're probably not. We're certainly rooting for them, but you know, the the the, the guys that cover the team, I don't think are necessarily rooting for them. Um, but I mean, like that they they care, like they. They know where they are in the standings. They know what the current trends are. They know the guys personally, so they can talk about their personalities. They have a pulse, you know, a finger on the pulse of the fan base. Certainly, you know, uh, Staple and Grosser, or you know, qualify for that. And they kind of know what's going on. And they don't just sort of like you know parachute in when the team comes to town and be like, ah, these guys, you know, their, their record is this, that, and the other thing. Ah, they kind of suck, or man, they're okay, or maybe they're all right. Like they they know what's going on with the team. And nobody else does that but us. So I get, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like, if you watch this this game on Hockey Night in Canada, you're not going to hear any sort of like respect or you know, hey, well, what a job Barry Trotz has done, or what about these guys? Like, how about this guy with you know, Anthony Beauvillier's got 11 goals, or how about that? Like, you're not going to hear any of that stuff because these guys don't know. They don't care. 
they don't care about this team. They they only care. They only see them as you know the next stop before the playoffs. That's all they want. That's all they care about. Or the next you know yeah, team that's stealing their revenue. Easy, easy column inches. Right. Pretty much. I mean, you know, Michael Trakos was writing shit about John Tavares signing with the Leafs, and he called Andrews Lee a sixth round pick. The dude had like two two thirty goal seasons at that point. Like, what the what's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> like, who are these people? What's the, what is your problem? And so it's, I, it's yeah. <laughs> um, one thing though I want to get to. Uh, and then and then I'll let you have the last word because you're kind of in rare form. But uh, the um, that that the, the personality thing I, I was thinking about, too. Um, the, so the, the picture with the bed sheets and the whole thing, um, the thing about that picture that I think makes me kind of irritated in a way is that in, in his nine years as an Islander, John Tavares does not show a lot of personality. He's not you know, what did we know about him really? Uh, off the ice from his nine years as the Islander. We we knew that he played hockey a lot and was obsessed with it and worked out all the time, but that's sort of hockey stuff. We knew he had an uncle that was a lacrosse legend and he had a fiance who is now his wife. That's all we knew. We didn't know anything else about this guy. And that was okay. Stan Fischler, our friend called him very serious. That was his Stan's words. Exactly. Very serious. And he, you know, Stan's terrible grandpa jokes just just washed right off of Tavares, like like bullets off of Superman. He could not be pinged by, by Stan's <laughs> terrible jokes, which everybody laughs at. Come on, give me a break. Um, and so the guy signs with the Leafs, and then in two seconds later, he he posts this picture to his social media account, which he had used like literally half a dozen times in the preceding eight years. And that one picture shows more personality and more insight into this guy's life than anything we had seen or heard at any point in the previous nine years. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, seriously? This is the time when you've decided to kind of let loose and show us what you're all about? I'm not surprised that he had Leap's bed sheets. Like, that's that makes sense. I'm surprised that he had that Star Wars Episode One Naboo fighter alarm clock because to me, in the previous nine years, I thought Tavares was the kind of guy who wouldn't know a lightsaber from his elbow. Like, he looks like the kind of guy who... You know, calls calls says it's Dark Vader or thinks that Han Solo's first name is Hans, like he's from you know Amsterdam or something like. And this this was a guy who played on a team with Kyle Oposo, who we knew was a, a Harry Potter nerd in the body of an NFL linebacker. Like you know, <laughs> Kyle loved Harry Potter. We all knew Kyle loved Harry Potter. It was awesome. That's great, you know. Or like you know, Matt Martin's entire life is like an open Instagram page. Like <laughs> between him and Sydney, they got all this kinds of stuff. He's got the the Halloween costumes out. He's doing crazy stuff. He's Matt Martin. He's a, he's a personable guy. And all this time, we never knew any of these things about John Tavares' personality. And then two seconds after he signs with the Leafs, all of a sudden everybody knows what, where he slept when he was a kid. Like, really? Seriously? That's the way you're going to play us? And that's why when he comes back here uh, to play at the Coliseum, you're going to really hear what people think about this, and you're really going to hear how this people the people's lives have been affected by this. They're going to it's going to be uncomfortable for him. Let me tell you, it's going to be it's not going to be yeah. fun. And it's uh, like the that that alarm clock it, within two seconds of him tweeting it. Bob McKenzie had some story about oh well the story backstory to Tavares is like that that alarm clock. He said it because he wasn't he didn't have any confidence. His parents would wake him up in time at five in the morning for for pee wee hockey. I'm like. Damn, like I would have liked to know that story yeah. when he was, you know, you know, that's that's the kind of guy that we expected him. He was right. like, and it's what you're saying is perfect. It's this guy never he he, he said he, all, he he was he was selling wolf tickets. He he never ever showed that he embraced. Sure, he went he he fulfilled his obligations. Uh, he showed up to like you know charity events, whatever the the yeah. days at the school. It wasn't like he was the, like but, mean or imperson impersonable or anything. No. Like he was always very nice, but yeah. 
he didn't he, he never really talked about putting roots down on Long Island, which is like the first freaking like Dean McAmmons was here for like 18 seconds. And I feel like I heard him talk about, long, you know, putting roots down on Long Island. Dude, like, you know, it's a great place still to here. Mira yeah, Mira is, is still fucking here. That's that's how that's all you need to know. Mira Shatan is still fucking here, and John Tavares is up in in, in fucking Toronto, right. living the easy life. But yeah, he never he never ever embraced it. He never like I I'm, I'm sure what what did what did we know him to do like yeah. in, outside of hockey? He ate at Chipotle. There's like a picture. I remember him like eating a picture of him a picture of him eating Chipotle on a plane, and I was like, oh look at him! Mm. Like this is so cool! Like we're seeing like. We're getting under the visor of John Tavares. Like, no, that was really it. Yeah. Like, that's all. It may, you know. It's, I knew it's, that. Uh, it, we knew that Michael Grabner won a lot of money from him from poker, which probably says more about Michael Grabner than it does about John Tavares. But like, that was that was the time. Like, we knew that these guys played Call of Duty together. Remember, like Grabner and Strom and a bunch of guys were all playing Call of Duty, and it was like that's awesome. Oh, we knew that Tavares lived with Colin McDonald. Like, that was it. Like, we didn't know what was going on in there. What they do with it? They play Jenga. Did they, you know, I don't know. Did they have a dog fighting ring? Like, I don't know. Like, what what do they do? We don't know. And now, again, yeah. his personality immediately becomes. Now, yeah. Now, and, and that just goes to show you how manufactured he is. Like, yeah. that is, a, you don't think they, uh, as soon as he signed, excuse me, he, as soon as he signed with the Leafs and that picture came out, Pat Brisson and, and his, like, army of marketing you know, whizzes weren't like, oh, we can make a ton of money. This is great. Like, I've already talked to Casper and I've talked to sleepies where we are they're already in a bidding war like we're gonna make john into like right. the cool the cool new guy in toronto like we mm. that is not john that is not the no that's not the same john Tavares. No. it's not it's they got the john Tavares who is now the the like corporate like weird weirdly manufactured robot right. we had the robot we didn't have like the rest of that uh and <laughs> yeah and i you know like you, you're just seeing more and more of them uh i can't yeah i'm i'm, I'm excited now that i think about it i uh <laughs> And his uh, yeah. Let's just hope. Let's just hope it all it goes it goes our way. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, I mean, again, it, it in in a way that the the score isn't really relevant. Like if no, not if the all. Islanders win that game, like you said, they're not going to give them an ounce of credit. It's going to be the Leafs did this, that, and the other thing, and they'll be ready for the next game, whatever the next night. And if the, and if the Leafs win that game, it's like, well, they just we just go to show you, like John Tavares made the right choice by you know winning this signing with a team to win this sort of meaningless game in December. Like that's, that's all it's going to be. And we could, I could tell you already what the way it's going to be, but, and, and the other thing too, and to get to, to your point about his personality, it's like, he's going to say the same thing. He, he, the Leafs played in Jersey last night or two nights ago. Right, and yeah. as soon as the plane landed in Newark, Mark Herman was like attached to Tavares and getting quotes from him. Uh, you know, why would Newsday send a reporter to a devil's game? Well, cause John Tavares was there and guess what? The quotes were the exact same quotes. He's always been. I grew up on long Island. I have a lot of affection for the fan base and the team. And it's really something special. And I'll always love it. Like that's dude, that's not helping. Like you're not really giving us like that. It's, it's very cold and it's very detached and it's exactly the way he left. And that's kind of, unfortunately the, the way that people are going to remember it. And like I said, when he comes back to play, the- he keeps say, he keeps he keeps saying that he can't change the what he can't yeah change how people think of him, and I want to say you did <laughs> yeah pretty much that's how it works <laughs> you did you already it's too late you already changed how people think of you because again he 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 said that his return to the Coliseum is going to be fun John buddy it's not going to be fun I promise you it will not be fun no. a lot of people are going to make it sure that it's not fun for you so there you go. Um, I just want one other thing too. I just want to say I, I'm I'm obviously very proud of the show that we do. I, we have a great time. 
I'm glad that people listen to us. Our numbers are very good. We always appreciate it. We love it. Um, and one of the things I'm most proud of, though, is the fact that outside of the our July 1st show, where we obviously spent the entire time talking about it, and the first show of this year, where we you know kind of picked up some loose ends, hopefully we didn't repeat ourselves <laughs> uh, too much just now, we haven't really talked about this at all. Like, anytime Tavares has kind of come up, it's been in in relation to something that happened, like a game or an, an incident that happened, you know, over the period of nine years, which makes a lot of sense. But we haven't, like, spent a lot of time kind of talking about this and hashing it out and going over it because we really haven't had to, you know. Th- again, thanks to Barry Trotz, basically, and, and this team, they've made us sort of forget it day in and day out until now when we had a – we got to talk about it, unfortunately. And we're going to have to talk about it again uh, a couple more times because this is the first time the Islanders are going to play. But I'm really – I'm serious. Like, I think – We've done a pretty good job in not talking about this and not like kind of dragging them over and over again for something that, you know, again, is what's done is done um, and we all need to move on. Yeah. But eventually we will. <laughs> I promise. I think uh, I think Islander fans, a lot of Islander fans in general, too, have, have done that. Like, I don't, I don't think we want to go out of our own way to I will certainly if, if I hear someone that I know at, maybe at work or whatever, just like, you know, if I'm at a bar or something, say like, oh, he, you know, he went home or whatever. I will absolutely say, you know what, like. That's not what happened, and, and I'll have a civil conversation about it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not. I don't go. Out, I don't think any any of us are really going out of our, our way. It's something we, like I said, it's something to think about and talk about at least once a day. Um, so maybe I'll be hypocritical, but it's uh, it's 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 not like uh, it's not it's not us. You know, I'm not going out there and trying to railroad the guy every day to to like anyone who will listen. It's it's just a, it's if it comes up, it comes up like. And and we know, and that's all it is. Like I I I've t- had conversations with people where I'm like, well, like th- this is what he said, this is what he did, and people are like, yeah, no, it's kind of fucked up what he did, I guess. But like, you, you, I could kind of understand what he was doing. I said, yeah, no, I can understand what he was doing. He just did it right, <laughs> completely wrong. You know, yeah. He was basically, he was. That's it. Like, that's pretty uh, much it. Yeah, no, we know what he did. He just went about it in the completely wrong way. And there you go. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so that's that's that game. <laughs> and then uh, to finish out their little uh, set against the um, Atlantic Division, the Islanders then play the Buffalo Sabres at 6 o'clock on New Year's Eve in Buffalo. Uh, the Sabres have kind of tailed off a little bit. They've leveled off, I guess you'd say, from their torrid 10-game winning streak. But they're still pretty good, and uh, that's going to be a tough one too. Buffalo hasn't always been really kind to the Islanders. But, uh, you know, again, just like the stretch we're talking about now, that that's a tough – stretch of games and if um the the one against the senators is basically playing the role of the game against the red wings that we talked about much earlier they need to win that game you're at home the senators stink quite frankly they have a couple of good matt duchene is now off ir so they'll have him back but they're not a very good team and, and you need to take that game in brooklyn uh even no matter how many how, no matter how few people are there you need to win that game <laughs> because the games against the uh the leaps and sabers uh are going to be uh exponentially more difficult so uh and then after that we'll, yeah. we'll be back to talk about a couple of games so um yeah so it's been an interesting run and they got a couple more tough games coming up but they got some breaks in there they're gonna have an all-star break coming up and a bye week i guess coming up too so uh hopefully they can use that to their advantage and uh yeah you know spread spread the love spread spread the points out spread the love and uh you know stay stay in the in the, the thick of it spread the love. yeah <laughs> yeah this is uh, it's great yeah. i uh i also i wanted i i, I meant to bring this up earlier the there's a, a documentary on netflix uh called sunderland till i die it's just about a soccer team in england that was relegated from the premier league and it's like a 24 7 
kind of style docuseries about the team in their their league in the uh, on their season in the second division to call the championship. And and it's uh, so it's from last season. And I won't spoil anything. But anyway, it's it's, it's a a city that basically all they have is is the, the team, the soccer team, and like they all love it. And and weirdly, and and I will always bring things back to the Islanders, but it kind of reminds me a little bit of of the Islanders in the sense that like we all these these people have almost a singular focus, and Islander fans are very similar. Like our we care so much about the Islanders, so much. Most Islander fans will tell you like. It's the Islanders and then everything else, like in sports, and uh, I, that's that's part of like what the Tavares thing was. Is like, is you see that, and it's and and I think it's almost encouraging, like to see that out of the fans, like how the outrage is because this team means so much to this area and to the Long Island that when something like that goes the way it did, like you, it's gonna be like you just kick someone's dog in the face, and and, it, and that's that's it, and and it's such a huge thing to you, like like we've yep. said it before, like we've had to completely recalibrate how it is that we look at this team because of that signing, like we have to suddenly the guy who was the focus of the entire team for so long is gone, and we have we have to recalibrate ourselves while the team recalibrates itself. And so far, that's gone about as well as could possibly be expected. But we're still kind of in the process of doing that. And and you're seeing it from guys that like, you know, we're sitting here talking about how good Brock Nelson's been this this season. Like, that's a weird thing because we had kind of thought of him as in one way. And now we're thinking of him as a different way. So, yeah, like, I, I agree with you 100 percent. Like, it's such a focus thing. It's so it's such a they're, they're, the focus is so strong that people really need to figure themselves out after that's been upset. And that's why, you know, we work, it's going to take a long time to, to get over this and, uh, you know, figure it out. But, again, we, we will do that, <laughs> whether, whether yeah. we want to or not. A um, couple of league goings on. The, uh, the first coach that John Tavares had in the NHL is back. Uh, Scott Gordon is now the coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, however permanent, impermanent or temporary that might be. Uh, coach, coach Joe Quenville might be waiting in the wings, but for right now, uh, the Flyers, uh, Scott Gordon, uh, the Flyers are, are being led by Scott Gordon. So it's overspeed in Philadelphia and, uh, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> that would, you know, it's been eight years since he coached oh, and man. that's a long time. Overspeed <laughs> was the, go- yeah, go, go Gordon. Yeah. Overspeed. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. The, uh, and they, I love that the, the, the Flyers called up, uh, they called up Carter Hart too. Like they're, they're. Prize goalie prospect. He's the only one left. I just, They've used like 18 goalies yep. this year. And I think it's so so funny too. Like they're the the, the team is in shambles. Mm. They're they've called up him like the, the cart, which people are excited about. Whatever uh, the teams, they, they actually like their stats aren't terrible, mm. but it's just like everything else is kind of crumbling around. And then and then there's gritty. <laughs> <laughs> like like everybody everybody yeah. in, in the world from like gritty is an international star. Mm. And the Flyers are literally crumbling. And while this, while this, this thing is is the uh, like the talk of, yeah, the sports world. I think it's, yeah. yeah, it's just beautiful. They've done it's a great job of like getting them out to other places. And yeah, it's it's awesome. And uh, I've said it before. Broad Street Hockey is a great blog, and their podcasts are all awesome. And they they would not disagree with anything you just said. That the team is falling apart. That they're they're kind of a shit show in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, people talking out of turn and, and making things happen. That the firing of Dave Hextall was gut wrenching. I mean, even for me, like I don't even care. But like watching him twist in the wind. One minute they're like, no, he's not being fired. And he's like, I'm gonna make my my lineup presentation tomorrow morning. And then it's like, oh, 
Haxtell's not here at practice. Oh, he's been fired. Is it Quenville? No, it's Scott Gordon. It's It was excruciating. Uh, but yeah, that's the way the Flyers are right now. And honestly, it kind of feels like it's supposed to be that way. They're just, they're always crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you like, you like to see that crazy from the Flyers. Cause that's, that's what they yeah. do. It's worked so well for them since you now 1976 or 75, whatever it was. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how that continues. Uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? The other, I'm sure like the, I'm sure the Penguins have like made like a, a trade of like third liners or something. They seem to do that every other week. Yeah. Right. The Sound Tigers, breaking news, the Sound Tigers lost in overtime 4-3 to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, winner, uh, game winner in overtime, one Kevin Churchman. So there you go. Wow. How about that? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a name we haven't heard in a long time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Man, I'm calling me shocked that that guy is a career AHLer. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, oh, they blew the lead. Uh, they had a 3-1 lead with eight minutes to go and then uh, blew it. So. Great game there, uh, but no, they're, they're still they're picking up points, so that's still pretty good. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's it. Like I said, we'll be off next week. Uh, we're gonna enjoy the the holiday break, and uh, we hope you do as well. Um, the, oh, yep. that's what I wanted to say. Now I remember. I keep forgetting our moment of trots, and I have a good one here. Ah, and uh, it's from the game against the Avalanche. And uh, yeah, like we said before, Johnny Boychuk was was laying out and blocking shots and and making life rough for the Avalanche in the Islander zone and. Afterwards, uh, Shannon Hogan asked Barry about, uh, you know, Boychuk's game and what he had a wry smile on his face. And what Trot said was, there are two kinds of players for me, hockey players and businessmen. Johnny was a hockey player on that play. And uh, wow. I'll give you one guess who he probably thinks a businessman is. And it's yeah. it's a, another Johnny, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, so there you go. Your moment of Trot's hockey players and businessmen. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. He's the best. He really he is. is the best. <laughs> I would say uh. that, I mean, is it is it fair to say that right now Barry Trotz is the face of the Islanders, the face of the franchise? I think so. I mean, I, I, I would say most people maybe outside the Islanders would say, oh, it's Matt Barzal or whatever. Hmm. But I think to Islander fans, it's if you ask every Islander fan at Nassau Coliseum on Saturday night who the face of the franchise is, they – the majority would say Barry Trotz. I think they would. I really do. And, and yeah, I, that, and, but that's a, like what I was saying before too. Like, if you're if you're an outside observer and you don't know, oh yeah, obviously Matt Barzell or maybe Anders Lee if they even know who Anders Lee is. But no, the, the face of this franchise right now, I think, is Barry Trotz because this team is taking on. Uh, yeah, what a face it is. <laughs> that that bald necklace face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, he's he's got a. I was saying this to my friends the other day. I'm like, he's got a look that he pulls off. Mm. Like he's not. He's like he's got like a. A funny, handsome way mm. about it's him. A clip-on head. He just, That's what Keith Quinn called yeah. it, clip-on head. <laughs> that was when he was coaching Nashville, I think. Keith called it the clip-on head, and that's stayed with me forever. But, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, no, it works for him. I can't imagine him any other way. If you ever see, like, the old hockey uh, hockey card pictures of him with hair, it doesn't look right. Nothing looks definitely weird. Um, okay, so um, if you are going to uh, – Again, when the Islanders come back and you're in the spirit of things, you should check out SneakyAthletic.com. You get 10% off if you put it anxiety in the discount code box at checkout. Uh, they got all kinds of cool Fort Never Lose stuff there. You should check it out. Again, you could save yourself 10% by using anxiety in the discount code box. That is SneakyAthletic.com. They got cool stuff there. Um, tell everybody your Twitter account again, please. It's the Big Lebowski with two E's. You should follow Mike at the Big Lebowski uh, on Twitter, and uh, you can see uh, 
his uh, he he will he will deem the player of the game, <laughs> uh, the Boychuk game, Barzell game, that kind of thing. Uh, you, should just, <laughs> you should read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. You should leave us a five star review at iTunes if you got days off, man. Do me a favor, <laughs> leave us a five star review at iTunes. Just log in. I know everybody hates iTunes. I, I've I, I'm like ten updates behind on my iTunes. Just just log in and give us a five star review. It's pretty cool. Um, anything else? Did I forget anything? Anything you want to say? I don't know. No, <laughs> I, no I'm good. Yeah. I just uh, one thing. I, I saw Cindy Crosby. This is just a reminder that of, that we do live in an echo chamber. I scored a Cindy. So I was watching. I have the game on in the background, and Cindy Crosby scored a goal where he like batted the puck out of midair. And I was like, that's nice to see that he does that to other teams and not just the <laughs> Islanders. Because I've seen him score that exact goal. 700 times yeah, against the Islanders. Feels like it. And he just did it against the Capitals. So. Yeah. Uh, they are up 2-1 right now. That's it. So. Come on, Caps. you got to come back and win that game. But uh, but you know what? If they don't, then the Islanders are going to have to say, well, we got to go to work tomorrow in Vegas and just make it happen. Because that's the way things are now, <laughs> which is kind yeah. of a weird to think. Uh, hopefully, I haven't just jinxed them. But uh, – we will. No, we're in a we're we're in a race with the Penguins, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and it's Christmas time, and and we're there. And again, who who would have thought we would have been there? Uh, so thank you very much for listening to us. From all of us to all of you, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, uh, Happy New Year. We'll be back on the other side. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. We can't thank you enough. And uh, we will talk to you again shortly in 2019. How about that? Weird. Okay. How about that? <laughs> I, it's going to, I go at least three weeks before I stop writing 2018. You know, but I get the, oh, yeah. the year right. I thank God I don't write checks anymore because it was really irritating to have to keep scratching stuff out. <laughs> but uh, we will see you in 2019. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Father Christmas, give us some money. We got no time for your silly toys. Father Christmas, Please hand it over. We'll beat you up, so don't make it.